Maybe don't know. Maybe don't. This time, 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 Goals not met. Freedom and transworld depravity. I was through the middle crux for the first time from the ground. The hardest moves were behind me, with only a V5-ish mantle and a 12-plus-ish headwall guarding the chains. And it was wet. Not damp wet. Soaked wet. Dripping wet. I'm still not sure how it got that way. It was dry the day before, and I decided to hedge my bets on the better temps and better sleep that I could get. It hadn't rained. There it was, dripping from the mantle onto my face, mocking me. Fifty feet prior, at the big rest before the business, I'd had a conversation with a new friend on a neighboring route. She had read my Don't Squash the Banana essay, and it resonated with her. I hung out there, talking to Katie Dannenberg, shaking out, laughing, and generally relaxing, all the while discussing commitment. And then I was climbing, her reassuring voice just beside me as I stuck the move for the first time. Drip. Drip. I was this far, my first real chance at sending, and I had to commit. The entire mother load had congregated in the cave, anticipating the battle. The wet V5 above me had gotten into my nerves, and I desperately needed a plan. My next shake, on a hold I called the basketball, had water streaming from it. The terrible tooth hold above it was smack dab in the middle of the waterfall. However, I could see that the line of holds outright was dry. If I could just get out there, I could recover on the first two good edges before launching into the final terrible crimps. The mantle had never felt easier. I didn't hesitate, just executed. Instead of my normal knee-scum, hand-jam, lay-back rest on the basketball, I kept moving, barely making the hard lateral reach off of the tooth to the end-cut edges I intended to rest on. Both end-cuts were filled with tiny, taunting puddles. I tried to recover, but my mind was spinning. Twelve feet from victory, past the wet rock, and I was going to fail. Many of my best friends were watching. My fiancé was on belay. I had battled my heart out to get to this spot. Knowing I would have no opportunity to dry my fingers before taking the worst of the grips, I committed once more, I crimped hard, pasted my foot on the good smear, lunged, and I fell. The moans of the gathered crowd echoed throughout the cave. Do over, someone shouted. You were robbed, Dan Mursky told me. But at least now you know it's possible. And then the weather turned towards summer without so much as a glance over its shoulder at me. For weeks, it was a mindfuck. I was two moves from a long-time goal and I had the experience of reaching it. I just didn't quite close the deal. Did I want to get back on it? Was there any reason to finish it? Was it really the experience and the progression I was after? Or does the number itself mean something to me? For nearly a month, I wasn't sure I'd go back. However, while standing in the shower after a gym session, I came to a realization. I really loved climbing on that route. Sending it was essentially a formality, and I'd already had the send experience, but I wanted to go back and climb on it. 
It had long been a goal to climb 514 by the age of 40. As my 40th birthday came and went, several people asked me if I was bummed not to make good on that goal. Goals aren't made to be met. When I meet a goal, I celebrate by moving the bar higher. It's become incredibly cliche to say that it's all about the journey, and I'm not so sure I completely agree. It isn't only about the journey. For me, it's about a chase. It's about being eluded. It's about some chunk of rock showing me who's boss until it decides to allow my passage. It's about reaching past my own perceived limits and realizing that I can change my own perceptions. So, no, I'm not bummed at all. Quite the opposite. 21 days after my random deadline passed, I climbed 514. After eight years of sport climbing with 65 513s under my belt, Transworld Depravity, a Bill Ramsey masterpiece in the Red River Gorge's Madness Cave, decided that I'd grown up enough and it allowed me to climb from bottom to top without falling off. In the end, I never had to fight. While I'm usually vocal, this time other than deliberate breathing, I didn't make a sound. As is often reported, it felt eerily easy. Like I could do it again, and maybe I will. Maybe not. There are cracks to be climbed, hard boulders to do, music to be made, and books to be written. A new life to build. Other climbers still reaching for their ultimate goals to help prepare. So many worthy opponents. First, I'll set a few more ridiculous goals. This is one of the first interviews I did for this project, and I failed to ask my guest to introduce himself, so I get the privilege of doing so. Lee Smith is a fiercely proud father of two girls. He's a doting husband to a superhero partner and an important cog in the Red River Gorge climbing ecosystem. He might be most widely known as the mentor of local star Drew Mack, but I think his biggest contribution to the climbing community in his home area of the Red River Gorge is teaching these kids about what dedication actually looks like. Man, I uh, I didn't assign any of these really, um, okay. but I really wanted you on this conversation, um, mostly because of the fact that when I lowered down from sending Transworld, you were the first person there. Like before I had my knot untied, you were on top of me. Um, I made sure that happened. <laughs> It was a really cool experience for me, you know, like I write about in the essay, I had had um, the experience of sending essentially the season before, you know, and falling at the very last move because all the holds are wet. And so I really, it was almost like a foregone conclusion, you know, it was just something that needed to happen so I could check the box. But what really made it special was you rushing in the way that you did man i appreciate that so much uh it it just it meant so much to me to see you do it because you know from our history of how we were trying to both get to that point was very different yeah and you know no one quote unquote normal had done that yet 
not none of our peer group had done right. that yet. So there was this huge mental uh, block there. And then there my friend was up there. And the mm-hmm. second I saw you skip out left and, and, and do that last red point crux move, yeah. maybe not your red point because it was wet, but everyone else's. Um, I'm like, oh, it's happening. And uh, I told my group, I'm like, I'll be right back. Because <laughs> yeah. I, I, I knew that it was it was done. That's so cool. So before we like really get into this essay, um, people have heard you on the podcast before in an episode on mentorship with Drew Mack. Um, But for the people who maybe haven't heard that episode, can you tell them who you are? Uh, My name is Lee. I moved from Texas to Kentucky uh, just to be in the gorge in 1999. Um, my relationship with Drew is just that uh, he was this kid that one of our friends was like, hey, can we take him out one time? And I said, absolutely. And he was this cute little kid. And I said, anytime Robbie and I go out together, please feel free to come with us. And that was it. <laughs> Drew stuck around um, till the end. Yeah. And I think you've sort of become a, a mentor figure to a lot of the people in the red, you know, as somebody who pushes hard to reach your goals, who's really dedicated to your goals. I think there are a lot of people who look up to that. So I think you've become that figure. That's really kind. I think, I think you and I grew up in the generation more of you tried to hack people down so that you can stay up top. And now it's more about like, Hey, listen, I've been in that spot where you are and I know how to get you up above it. Do you want to hear? Mm-hmm. And uh, so there's just, I don't know, it's more community minded now. It, it's great. I love this spot. Yeah, that's that's awesome. We did. We both grew up into that and I can still fall into that trap. You know, it's there's a lot of that built into me, whether it's from like the hip hop community um seeing it as a, like it, it, it's part of the love language, you know, almost like violence became a love language for a lot of people who grew up in hip hop or grew up poor or whatever. Um, the males, males in general, a lot of our love language has become violence, you know? Um, so, so I think it was born out of that and, and I'm definitely still trying to pull myself completely out of that. And I love seeing you in that role. You almost take this like grandpa approach to the role, <laughs> which I fucking love. Um, and I am an actual grandpa now. Oh, you know, oh, and, Congrats. That's so awesome. I can't and you're wait. A, you're a doting father. Um, so you kind of live this mentorship role in your entire life now, which is very cool for you. I do like it. And, and I'm, I'm uh, really appreciative that this community let me have that role for a little bit, at least for some. Yeah. So one of the other reasons I wanted to talk to you about this chapter in particular, um, it's like I said, I didn't, you know, I just asked other people like, Hey, do you want one of these chapters? Which one's good for you? And then I saw this one and I was recording this one and thought I need to talk to Lee about this one because of your, you know, you, you've had this long-term project that you've been really heavily dedicated to and 
recently have had to make this decision. I need to have this surgery on my shoulder. So I might have to let this project go, you know, and I don't know how you're feeling about that right now. Um, I'm sure it's just this mind fuck constant, you know, emotional roller coaster. Um, talk to me a little about the project and having to come to that decision. Um, so for anyone that doesn't know, and if you follow me on Facebook, you know, <laughs> that uh, I've been uh, trying the route. Dave Hume's The Nothing at Drive-By. Uh, it's 14A. It's basically two routes broken up by a ledge. Um, from the ground to the ledge is a boulder, which is where the route gets its grade. And then from the ledge to the top is roughly a middle 13 that is uh, pretty power endurance mm-hmm. And um, I've, I've always done pretty well on that boulder. You know, it's always been much easier for me to be strong for a handful of moves than be able to survive like, you know, a bunch of Mayweather punches. Right, right. Two minutes. That's not my style. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've just been working through that and uh, each season closer and closer. And I've had some close calls, but at the same time, uh, my shoulder has been deteriorating. Um, I have this, uh, like literally the joint is failing. So that's why I'm having to get it replaced. And I've chosen a surgery that allows me at least the opportunity or the chance um, to come back to climbing because this Mm -hmm. isn't like a normal, like I got a slap or um, rotator cuff tear. This is like when they fix it, climbing's done. Right. But there's a couple doctors in the U.S. that do this one surgery. And uh, so there's at least potential for me to get back. And I'm in a, a group listening to uh, people that are on the other side of this and they are just amazing and their Mm. stories are fantastic. And I just hope I get to be one of them. Yeah. This, you know, this essay, I titled it goals, not met freedom and trans world depravity because, you know, when I didn't quite send and I fell off at the top, I felt a little trapped by the, I had the experience I wanted on it, but I didn't get to check the box Mm -hmm. and sending it did allow me a little bit of that freedom, but I think I could have given myself that freedom as well, just by saying I had the experience I wanted and I don't need to check the box anymore. So I'm, I'm wondering where you're feeling about that. Do you feel like you're, trapped now do you feel like you're free of it is there still a chance of it how where are you with that so let me say i understand exactly what you're talking about but for me that was katie brown um Mm. one of the on one of the goes i i botched up something severely early on the traverse outright right before the big move yeah i'm like just put me into the no hand which is you know a three move v0 into a no hand and then katie brown starts yeah. And I sent it from there. Oh, and, shit. and I'm like, oh boy, you know, I've done the route. I can't tick my little box, but I'm like, I literally don't want to do that again. I'm good. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so now looking back, I kind of beat myself up because I don't get to check my little box. But mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> um, mm-hmm. I'm good with that. 
Now, as in regards to the nothing, man, I, I want nothing more than to get back. I, I want yeah. that. Side. I've, I can't explain to you what that route has done for me. It's driven me to be healthier, stronger, learn new techniques. I've had to learn new techniques as my shoulders breaking down. Yeah. Um, so I just, I want back. And this, this is the only shot I have. Um, I, I didn't think my shoulder could survive another training cycle to get me through to the next winter season. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's why I did it. If I thought I could survive one more season without losing even more reach, I would, but, uh, it's just not possible. Yeah. So your, your freedom is being found in this, this surgery that, you know, only a few doctors are doing and, and it sounds to me, and, you know, this is a tough place, I think, for a lot of rock climbers in that we really want to send, you know, that that ultimately that is the end point of the process on whatever route it is that we're trying. And, and even, you know, the send may not, when you have that experience, feel like the the big part, you know, it may not be the biggest takeaway but we still want to check that fucking box, you know? <laughs> yeah, so, I get it. I also, I also feel like in a very small way, they don't make me feel this way at all, but like uh, I would like to put the cherry on top for the people that followed me. Absolutely. Through this whole process, you know? Yeah. Down, they don't care. This means nothing <laughs> to them. But like, I would love to be able to just finish the story uh, yeah. in that kind of manner. I would like that. Yeah, I know that feeling. And, you know, I've gotten the opportunity. I've been privileged to be able to put that cherry on top of a couple of stories. And and then I keep making new stories where I'm like, okay, here's another one I want to put a cherry on top of, you know, and eventually I'm not going to be able to, you know. But I think I've come to grips with that. I've made peace with that. Like for me, it is the, I want to write this story. You know, that's the part of it for me that means so much. And that's what the people are taking away from you too. They're taking away that, the dedication, the, you know, constant unwavering pursuit of that goal, you know, and and that's such an important thing to learn in life in general, um, you know, not even to mention rock climbing. Right. Right. So and, such a big you know, thing. Yeah. And, and I think that's why uh, we're lifers. Why yeah. We, yeah. we do this and, you know, for our decades in the sport, but also if you look at the other parts of our lives outside of climbing, uh, these personality traits that we have and that the other lifers have, they're there as well. Mm-hmm. Well, Lee, you know, something that, you know, I, I admire about you a lot is that I have this memory of being in the gym with you in Louisville. My daughter was there. Oh, yeah. She said, you know, come on dad or something like that. And you picked up on that immediately. You were like, wow, that I can't wait for that to happen to me, you know, to have this, this kid, this little human that I love to, to cheer me on like that. 
and I've watched you get to become a dad over these years and get to come into this role of mentor in, in the Red River Gorge climbing community. And I so much admire how you've taken all of that on while continuing to push for your own goal. So many people let go of their own goals when they're in that position. Right. And I get it because, you know, the mentorship takes a lot of focus and no doubt it's, it's, truth to say that you're going to have to give up some of your stuff if you're going to mentor, you know, absolutely. So it has to be, uh, worth it for you. And it's, it was just, well, it's worth it to me in general, but with Drew specifically, it was incredibly worth it. Yeah. Yeah. And look what that kid has done. He's not a cute little kid anymore, but, but he's crushing rocks. God, you should you should see what he looks like now, Chris. I mean, he is in the best shape of his life. I mean, also just overtly looking at him. Yeah. It's impressive. Yeah. Yeah. Well, man, I appreciate you doing this. I want to, you know, when I'm in your neck of the woods or, you know, if you happen to come to mind, I would love to sit down and have a longer conversation with you about the pursuit of the nothing, you know, um, the route has such a perfect name for, for this chase that you're on and I fucking love it. And, and I want to really dig into that with you at some point, but I appreciate you sitting down for this little, you know, celebration of mine, getting to go back through this book and, and, you know, talk to the people and you were just such an integral part of that moment in my life and my climbing career that I couldn't not have you on for this talk. Uh, and I appreciate that that meant so much to you. Cause it was definitely that way for me as well. And just, just like you, how like you had it in the bag and it slipped out of your hands, yeah. not due to your control. Yeah. I, I feel I'm in the same place, Chris. And I, I truly feel I'm going to be on the other side of this and we're going to have a podcast down the road saying, Oh my goodness. I can't believe you did it. So, Man, uh, I'm, I'm with you. I've got that episode queued up and waiting to record. So <laughs> Wonderful. I'll, I'll, hopefully I can deliver for you. Yeah. Give, your, give my love to Teresa and, um, and I will see you in the Red River Gorge one of these days before long, I hope. Absolutely. Love to Annalisa. I love you, Chris, man. Take care, brother. Yeah, you too, man. Tomorrow, afterward, acknowledgements, and a bonus conversation with illustrator Brendan Leonard. We don't tweet, we scream like eagles. Best